Hi everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping moms ditch perfection and find peace through planning. This is episode 47, The Paradox Between Self-Acceptance and Self-Improvement. Hey everyone, today's topic is one that I think is extremely fascinating and I could probably talk about for hours. Hopefully this podcast is comparable in length to my others and it doesn't take me hours. But if you want to send me a DM on Instagram or an email of your thoughts, I'm sure I could keep going forever talking about it. So I first started thinking about this topic a while back when I had a sort of epiphany about self-improvement and self-acceptance. So my entire life, as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with self-improvement. I literally can't think of a time when I wasn't trying to master or improve something. I'm not saying this to brag. I promise it's honestly just an innate part of my personality. Um, For those of you who are familiar with the Enneagram, I may have talked about this on the past here, but I'm a type three. And I think this quote from the Enneagram Institute describes how I feel about self-improvement well. And it says, threes know how good it feels to develop themselves and to contribute their abilities to the world and also enjoy motivating others to greater personal achievements than others thought they were capable of. Also, if any of you know any Enneagram experts, send me an email because I would love to feature someone on the podcast. Anyway, moving on. So I would say that a desire for self-improvement is one of my greatest strengths. It's something that I'm really proud of. Uh, With that, though, it has come something that I've noticed about myself that I kind of have a disdain for self-acceptance. Um... And I would say that this disdain is one of my greatest weaknesses, something that I'm working actively to improve. Um, One thing that my dad always taught me was that our greatest strengths are often our greatest weaknesses. And this is one of those kind of examples where I can see a strength that I have also leading to a weakness. I absolutely cannot stand it when someone uses the phrase, this is just the way that I am, as a reason not to move forward and be better which is why I was shocked in the past few years when I noticed a paradox in my own life that didn't seem to make much sense. The paradox is that in order to actually move forward and meet my goals, instead of staying stuck on the hamster wheel of wanting to change but never really making progress, I had to accept where I was currently in a given moment without judgment. I've seen this over and over again recently as I've started to notice this pattern and most of the time when I feel stuck in a certain area of personal development, it's because I'm being too judgmental of where I currently am to be able to move forward. As I started to notice this paradox, I went and studied um, all the articles I could find about self-acceptance and about self-improvement and found that I'm not alone in kind of discovering this phenomenon that in order to move forward with self-improvement that we have to discover self-acceptance. This entire episode is full of somewhat abstract ideas, so I'm going to do my best to bring in personal examples as much as possible to make the points that I'm making make sense. So I'm going to start out with an experience about nine months after I had my third child, I decided I was ready to start exercising regularly and quote, getting back into shape. Uh, However, after I started just a little bit of moderate exercise, which I've always been able to keep up with, 
um, I started having some knee pain and I could no longer keep up or maintain uh, this exercise routine. I went to see a doctor and received a diagnosis. Luckily, the knee pain I was experiencing was very common after pregnancy and it wasn't serious. I simply needed to strengthen my muscles surrounding my knee uh, and the pain would go away. At least that's what my doctor told me. So I remember feeling really, really frustrated. And I remember talking to a good friend who is also a trainer about how hard it was to exercise, especially with this problem or diagnosis. I had every excuse in the book, which is a shame since I just claimed to be obsessed with growth and development, right? I just didn't know how I was going to make time, how I was supposed to exercise when everything I tried hurt, how anyone could exercise with kids, excuse after excuse after excuse. I'm sure my friend was really irritated and and she did a really good job of kind of pointing out the flaws in my thinking and I'm grateful to her for that. But the real reason behind all of my excuses at this time is that I just wasn't willing to accept where I was at that moment. I had always been able to exercise to a certain level. And at that moment, that just wasn't really a possibility. I could not start where I had always started before. Um, I needed to start several steps behind where I had once been. And that was really frustrating. But it wasn't until I could accept where I was and where I needed to begin that I could begin to progress. When I did start exercising, again, I could only do low or no impact exercises for short durations of time. Even as I started to progress, I had to modify squats and lunges for months and months to come. Now, though, it's been two years since my baby was born and not quite a year and a half since I started these tiny amounts of training and exercise. And now I can squat, run, jump, lunge, and I have zero pain in my knee. Zero. If you'd told me that a year and a half ago, I honestly wouldn't have believed you because at that point, even just walking up and down stairs gave me knee pain. But in order to reach that point, I really had to find the right balance of self-acceptance and faith that even my tiny efforts that I was making at first were enough and would be enough for radical change in the long term. To further illustrate this point, I want to dig into an example that I found when I was researching this topic that I absolutely loved from Jeffrey Lamb at medium.com. And this is about radical acceptance. I will go ahead and link his article in the show notes. It's a really good read, but he explains radical acceptance this way. So He goes into an analogy of three different people who are all Tetris lovers. I am also a Tetris lover. Give me an old Game Boy and I could play for a long time. (laughs) Anyway, so person number one gets a piece that he doesn't want. And he's so frustrated at the, quote, Tetris gods that he gets so caught up thinking about what he could have done had he gotten the right piece that... He gets distracted and puts the piece that he has in a terrible place. A note on this is this is exactly how I was behaving before I was able to accept my knee pain and my situation. Um, It felt so much easier at that time to just wish that I wasn't injured or to blame my kids for ruining my body. All of these different excuses. Anyway, so let's move on with the example. So That's how the first person responded. Person number two 
gets that same terrible piece, but this is a more passive and accepting person. So rather than complaining, he just lets the piece fall wherever it goes. Again, putting it in a terrible spot. This is what it would have been like if I had accepted that I was hurt and I was probably going to have knee pain for the rest of my life and there was simply nothing I could do about it. Person number three, and if you haven't gathered yet, this is the person we all want to try and be. Person number three is a radical acceptor. This person recognizes and accepts that the piece that she got wasn't the piece that she wanted, but she also resolves to put it in the very best place possible. I like to, you know, just think of this person as an optimist. (laughs) Eventually, this is where I found myself after my knee injury, accepting that I wish I wasn't hurt, but if I ever wanted to move forward, I had to make slow changes that felt like so much less than I was used to in order to move forward. For all of us, in order to move forward with our goals, we have to be able to accept the situation we have been given and move forward in the best way that we know how. Honestly, though, it can be hard to know how to move forward with self-improvement and to not get caught up in either excuses and frustration that the cards aren't being played the way we want them to or in passive acceptance, um, thinking that this is just the way that I am and I'm never going to be able to change that. So how can you move forward with positive changes in your life while also loving your life in this very moment? How can you change for the sake of being better while also understanding that you can be happy and content right now? Uh, To help you with this, I want to go through a series of questions that you can ask yourself when you're trying to decide where to use your limited resources, time, willpower, and effort um, to work on self-improvement and when it's best to choose self-acceptance. So one question to ask yourself about any situation is, can I realistically accept this situation? And can I also accept how I feel about it? So going back to the example about my hurt knee, the option in the middle was to accept that I would always have knee pain. I could have chosen to accept that, but I know that I couldn't have ever accepted how I felt about that. Um, being injured made me angry. It made me feel stuck. I didn't want to have knee pain my whole life. I wanted to feel vivacious and to run and to play. And according to my doctor, this was absolutely doable. This was a case where I was able to change the situation by accepting where I was, but starting to make small strides towards changing it. But there are also situations where It's in our best interest to accept the situation and instead of working to change the situation, working to change how we feel about the situation so that we are able to accept both things, both a situation and how we feel about it. For example, there are injuries that never heal, sicknesses we never recover from, and personality traits that are innately part of who we are. I always wanted to be cute and bubbly and that's just not who I am and it's never going to be. So I really just need to not fixate on that. Anyway, so in these cases that we cannot change, rather than seeking to change the situation, you should seek to change the way you think about it because that's the only thing that is actually changeable. One of my favorite quotes from the time that I was a little kid, I actually got 
a gift. It was a little keepsake box that had this written on it. And I kept the box forever because I just loved this quote and I kept all my special things in it. But the quote is, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. This, I would say, I make the goal or mantra of my whole life. Okay, so another question you can ask yourself when deciding whether or not to choose to improve or to accept is where is this desire for change coming from? So I talked a few episodes back about marketing and how damaging, I guess, marketing can be. We're bombarded with messages from the media telling us that something is wrong with us as humans and that they have the product to change it and make it better. But is there anything actually wrong to begin with? Um, An example of this, this is kind of silly, but I've been kind of caught up with this curly girl hair movement. If you're not um, familiar with it, it's a method for girls with wavy hair or kind of curly hair to kind of capture those curls again, I guess. Um, And going through this process, they're able to achieve this beautiful, natural curly hair. And it's, it's truly so fun to watch people's hair transformation when they use this method. Um, look it up if you want to see some fun, beautiful curls. But the problem with me personally embracing this moment, but the problem with me personally embracing this movement, I don't have curly hair. (laughs) I had curly hair in high school, probably a result of puberty or something, but multiple pregnancies later, and it's basically stick straight. I've tried the methods that they recommend and it still dries stick straight. So this method, as inspiring as it is, is probably never going to work for me. Funny that a girl who doesn't have natural curls can't achieve natural curls through any sort of method. So again, I don't mean to demonize marketing entirely. Again, I I will be using marketing and I do use marketing in this podcast. Um, But I just want you to remember that you are an individual Not all marketing is for you. Not every product is for you. And the only person you need to change for is you and only if you want to. So so when you're deciding whether to change or to accept, ask yourself, is this desire to change coming from an innate place within you? Do you believe that a change in a certain area will actually be beneficial? Or is that just the message that the world around you is trying to tell you? If the desire to change is coming from external places, then all of the improvement in the world will never, ever be enough. There are benefits to getting organized, to minimizing your belongings, to starting an exercise program, to eating more mindfully, but none of these things are the magic solution that's going to make you happy. And it can be easy to get trapped on the self-improvement roller coaster where you improve constantly, but you never feel satisfied because there's always more to improve, which... That thought right there actually segues perfectly into the next question that you can ask yourself, which is, can you find joy and success in the journey towards a particular goal? There is never an end to self-improvement. So if you are embarking on your journey, only looking for a specific end goal, you're likely going to be disappointed you have to be willing to equate success with showing up every single day, not to where you get because you showed up every day. The end result is a byproduct of your consistency day to day and not a destination. So choose goals 
where you can enjoy the process every day. You can enjoy the tiny improvements over time and you're not focused on that end goal or end destination. Okay, so another question you can ask yourself is, is this goal worth your precious resources? It can be really easy to think, and this is the trap that I found myself in a lot, to think that choosing acceptance is choosing to be complacent. And I've come to realize through a lot of work that that's simply just not true. Choosing acceptance is choosing to be content and choosing to be content actually drives ambition. So when you choose to be content, you're taking the morality out of choosing to be better. No longer are you working towards a goal because you need that goal right now to be happy. You have chosen instead to be happy and content. So what do you have to lose from trying for more? Uh, It's important, though, to realize that your resources as a human are limited. Your time is limited. Your willpower is limited. Your knowledge is limited. This is not a bad thing. Part of self-acceptance is accepting that you absolutely can change anything you want to if you want to, but it's okay if you don't want to. You have to weigh the cost of your valuable resources Um, As an example here, I will sometimes see a woman who is super put together. She usually has her nails done, her hair highlighted, her eyebrows microbladed, and her makeup perfectly in place with a stylish outfit. Um, And often when I see a woman like this, I feel really inferior and I feel like I just, I would like to be her. Um, So maybe for a week or so, I'll put in extra effort into getting ready. But inevitably, I fall back to my old self, which is clean, dressed, My hair's done sometimes. My makeup is done a couple days a week. And you know what? That's okay. Because while I absolutely could achieve that level of put-togetherness if I really wanted to, ultimately there are things in my life that I value more. So that's where I have to choose to put my limited and valuable resources. No judgment at all if your values are different than mine. We all have to choose where we use our resources and what we are okay with accepting from ourselves so that we can use those finite resources for the things that are most important to us. Another thought on resources and another question you can ask yourself is, is achieving this goal going to add more resources to my limited stockpile? Um, I was really excited. I actually told my husband today, I said, honey, I finally came up with a way to talk about board games on the podcast. So before I geek out on you, my husband and I are super into playing board games. Our closet of board games is pretty embarrassing. Um, He even has a board game review channel on YouTube. So we're pretty big fanatics. Um, And one of the common types of board games that we play and on the market today is a type of board game called resource management. So uh, the idea here is that you'll start a game and you'll collect resources and throughout the game you'll build a sort of engine through cards or other means to be able to get more and more resources and you're able to use these resources to buy more and more goods or points or somehow just win the game through these resources, right? It's a lot of fun to play. Um, but sometimes when, when I'm playing a game like this, I have to make a really big investment up front in something, a card maybe, that's going to get me a lot more resources in the long run. And it's the same way in life. So sometimes 
you may choose to invest time in a goal that you don't necessarily value, or at least it doesn't bring you great amounts of joy to think about. So examples here are cooking, cleaning, laundry, planning. You may not be interested in becoming a world-renowned chef. You may not want to be a cleaning extraordinaire. You may not really be a planner, but when you put in the effort in these areas and these kinds of goals, you will be rewarded with more resources, with more time, with more energy, more willpower to be able to use to your advantage in those other goals that really do light you up. So sometimes it's important to um, not to just accept, but to invest and maybe experience a little bit of temporary discomfort or temporary lack of time for the things that really light you up um, to invest in something and knowledge that's going to reward you with more resources later. Um, And I think meal planning and meal prep is a really, really good example of this. It may feel stressful and overwhelming and not worth it at first as as you start to learn. But this investment of time is one that will add more resources to your stockpile so that you're able to really reach your very best self in the future because you've created these more mundane habits. Okay, so another question to ask yourself can you give up perfectionism for this goal? Um, Perfectionism is literally the thief of, interestingly, both self-improvement and self-acceptance. Perfectionism means that you will never be able to improve because you can never accept where you are right now today. And because none of us are perfect, we will all constantly fall short. When you're spending all of your time judging yourself, you diminish your ability to grow and you're spending all of your precious energy, a valuable resource that we talked about earlier, wishing that you were perfect instead of accepting that you're not, um, but that you can make small steps to become better. So this question is one that you just have to be able to answer yes to, but I did want to bring it up. So it was something that you thought about, but no matter the goal, you have to give up perfectionism. It's hard for all of us. It's hard for me, but recognizing how damaging it is and how it's killing all your goals will help as you work to give it up. Um, Another question in this same category is, can you change how you think about failure? How you think about failure is paramount to your ability to improve yourself while simultaneously accepting yourself. It seems so cheesy, uh, but I love to think as failures as information and a tool to use to succeed next time. A failure is a blessing of knowledge of something that doesn't work. And you can jump right back into figuring out something that does work. Okay, so this is the last question, and this is one of my favorites. But when you're deciding whether or not a goal is worth pursuing, ask yourself, does this goal line up with all of my other values? So when I first started exercising, my goals were less noble than they are now. Um, Now my goals look a lot more like do a pull-up, run a Spartan race, things that make me feel strong, things that make me feel powerful. Uh, But when I first started, my goal was to have a flat stomach before I got pregnant with my next baby. I'm not proud of that, but it is what it is. So 
as I was trying to figure out how to get a flat stomach, I did a lot of research on what I would have to do to make that goal happen. And ultimately, I do actually believe that it's possible. I could achieve a flat stomach if I wanted to. But I have other values in this area, values that are really important to me. Values like rejecting the diet mentality because it's causing women and culture at large so much harm. I I believe in intuitive eating and trusting and listening to my body to tell me what it needs rather than focusing on some diet or set of rules. As I researched more and more how I would achieve a flat stomach, it would seem that these values were in direct opposition to what I would have to do to achieve that goal. This isn't to say that a flatter stomach might not come as a result of my lifestyle. It's honestly already flatter than it was before just because I exercise regularly and eat relatively well. So with time, it's something that I might achieve. But if that happens, remember, it was the journey that mattered and the quote, flat stomach is a byproduct, not a destination. But the important thing here is that I ditched the goal to get a flat stomach because ultimately my other values were so much more important to me and that's okay. You'll run into situations like this too. Sometimes you have to choose and that's okay. You are not a failure if you give up a goal because you decide it doesn't fit in with the other goals or other values in your life. Okay, everyone. So those are the questions. What it comes down to is you have to learn to accept where you are right now in this very moment to ever make forward motion on your goals. The good news is that as you learn to do this, you will feel more peace now and you will also be propelled into a successful future as well. You can absolutely have, and in fact, you absolutely need both self-acceptance and self-improvement to to live a fulfilling life. All right. Thanks for listening to that one. It was a really fun one for me. Next week, we are talking all about creating a positive dinner table environment with your family through dinner time conversations. Uh, This is something that we implemented recently, and it's honestly helped smooth out dinner time so much in our home, even with young, young kids. So I'm really excited to tell you about what we're doing and what you can do um, and see what your experience is with dinnertime conversations. Thanks again for tuning in. I have gratitude every day for every one of you for listening. Um, I'd love to get to know you. If you are not already, follow along on Instagram. My handle is callmebettyblog. Um, Send me a DM. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you thought about this podcast and what you're learning, what you're working on. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. All my best and happy planning.